The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. I was just looking at some polling here at the top of the hour. The yeah. Wall Street Journal poll that was out. Right. Uh, Biden uh, is behind Trump by four percentage points on a hypothetical ballot. Trump's lead expands to six points uh, when five potential third party and independent candidates are added to the mix. They take a combined 17 percent support with a Democrat turned independent Robert Kennedy Jr. drawing the most at eight percent. Uh, unhappiness with the uh, with Biden is uh, pervasive in the new survey. Uh, let me just see here. Only 23% of voters say Biden's policies have helped them. 53% said they've been hurt by the president's agenda. Uh, half of voters say Trump's policies when he was president helped them. Personally, more than 37% say that they were hurt. Hurt. Hmm. All right. uh, let me just see here. I wanted to the some thirty seven percent approve of Biden's job performance, a low in journal polling during his presidency. So he hit the lowest in Wall Street Journal. Sixty one percent see his overall image in an unfavorable light. Uh Bidenomics, the president's signature economic platform, which about ten days ago they stopped mentioning. You will no longer hear Bidenomics coming from the White House. Unless it's Peter Ducey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would Which be, would from be the, at the White House, the not White House. from the White House. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Bidenomics, the president's signature economic platform, when you ask about it, is viewed favorably by less than 30% of voters. Hmm. Excuse me. Is viewed favorably by less than 30% of voters and unfavorably by more than half. The one interesting thing here that I found, they did Nikki Haley. Hmm. Trump would beat him by four. How, how, what do you think Nikki Haley would beat in the Wall Street Journal poll? What would Nikki Haley beat Biden by? 17 points. I was going to say 10. 
You heard Romney. Nikki Haley's the the only one who can beat Biden. Or the one who can beat Biden. I don't know if he said only, but basically implying she needs to be the nominee. Well, it's not going to happen. Unless Trump himself decides, or there's a health crisis with Trump, the nominee is going to be Trump. I don't see that changing. Okay, you ready for this? All right. And this is Wall Street Journal. Now, you could answer, you know, uh, Trump, Biden, or I don't know, uh, on the economy. Hmm. Trump, 52% uh, would want Trump, 35% Biden. Hmm. Inflation, 51%. This is who's better able to handle the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trump, 51% on inflation, 30% for Biden. Hmm. Uh, those are the people that want more inflation. Uh, crime, Trump 47%, Biden 30 Border security, Trump 54%, Biden 24%. Mm. Israel Hamas, Trump 44%, Biden 32%. No. Wow. Abortion, Biden 44%, Trump 33%. Mm. That's the only issue, except for, and this isn't an issue, tone in politics. Biden, 37 percent. Trump, 31 well, percent. Neither get over 40 percent in the tone in politics. <laughs> all right. Oh, my. But he has such good tone. You know, the inflation isn't that bad when you consider his tone. Uh, Enriching his family and all of that, it's not so bad when you consider his tone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 truck stop at exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store and of course the super truck showroom stocked with plenty of chrome lights and more while you're there don't forget to visit the iowa 80 trucking museum next door it's free 
the entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. Um, is is that why do you, do you think I, I this just popped into my head so mm, i'm just mm. i haven't analyzed this at all you <laughs> there 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 may be you might be able to drive a truck mm-hmm. uh through this uh hypothetical mm-hmm. uh the one that shows nikki haley in a hypothetical matchup with joe biden has a 17 point lead 51 to 34 and they have should the matchup materialize which it won't and the margin hold, it would represent the largest winning general margin since 1984 when Reagan topped Mondale by 18 points. But in order to happen, as they point out, uh, she has to beat the fact that she's down by Trump by 40 points. <laughs> yeah, there's that. But do you think that's why I think the Democrats are going, well, if it's a woman, remember, they think identity politics all the time. Sure, sure, yeah. The woman could beat Joe, maybe if we brought in a woman and got rid of Joe, which is why they think in Hillary. Remember, they think in a bizarre way. Yeah. That yeah. maybe we're bringing Hillary a woman, and this time she could beat Trump handily. Or did they, or did they do some internal polls? Yeah, probably internal polls. I'm, you know, but I, I think. Right now, when you look at it, it's not it's just not. It's not going to shape up that way again, unless there's a health crisis with Trump. I I do question whether or not. We could see a Trump Haley ticket. And it's because of what she pulls with independents and if independents are willing to. The ones who wouldn't support Trump, but would support hers, who I'm talking about, if they're willing to bite their lip for four years. That's a huge ask for a lot of those independents. If they're not on board for Trump now, you're asking them essentially to, because we all know, we saw it with Pence. For those who don't know, Mike Pence was the vice president under Trump. For four years. And those, I, I don't know that those independents are going to, would change. I, you know, that's, that's the logic of the past. Remember in 2012, Paul Ryan, wow, Paul Ryan being brought on to the Mitt Romney ticket for his conservative, conservative street cred. Remember, remember the excitement when that happened? It was like, oh, here we go, here we we go. Well, here's the thing. Nobody in the Trump that's already in the Trump corner would be motivated by Nikki Haley. It's not going to be, you know, oh, yeah, that's a perfect. That's it's really not. It kind of has to be somebody who is right now on the what they called in 2016, fully on board the Trump train. And even though she was UN ambassador during the Trump years, 
it's still right now it's it's everything has changed you it, it just doesn't work that way with trump so you know i just don't see nikki haley being the nominee certainly not before 2028 and i also don't see her dropping out i don't see her dropping out because she's going to have the money she's got new money now this wall street journal poll will help her Mm -hmm. get more money she's not going to drop out so desantis has money but again does he want to be a sitting governor of a state and you know get to march 5th and lose florida as the sitting governor i don't think he'd be in by that time i i don't see him being in by that time even though he's got plenty of money to stay in by that time or the only only thing is if you see the number as i as i told you the other day when I saw the numbers for Iowa, which seemed to be closing in a little bit, where mm-hmm. it was, what, a 23-point lead for Trump there? Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't 40 or 50 or 60, and then you look back and you say, okay, has that ever been done before where somebody has come back at at this time in December and still won Iowa? And, and uh, m- maybe not this far back, but there, have been, there has been movement of 25 points with a candidate. I think it was... Uh, Oh, what's his name from Ohio? Kasich. Kasich did it. Yeah. Kasich did it this time. A few years back, he was, he was, had like, I forgot what he had, but it was single digits. And he, he like increased to 23 points, uh, you know, by the time you got to the Iowa caucus. So yeah. it is, it is possible. Is it likely? No. And if, even if DeSantis wins Iowa. Does it give you the momentum that it would have in the past? Well, it didn't work for Ted Cruz in 2016. He didn't gain that momentum after Iowa. And, you know, there's and there's the problem. I mean, you you have Iowa and then you only have a matter of weeks before you get to your home state of Florida. And if it doesn't give you that momentum, you got to be out long before March 5th. And, you know, that's uh, it, because nothing applies anything you know that you've that that have applied that may have applied uh traditionally in in the political arena all right let's let's look at this from the point that that not not about you want to still continue to run but if you're asking the question what would be best for DeSantis's future forget about the election what would be best and what comes to my mind is he had two great outings. He did. Mm. He did good in the last oh, yeah. debate. Sure. Yeah. And and he did re- he did very very well. You take that, you say it's not my time at this moment. I want to focus on Florida, but I will be back to run for president again. Yeah. That you take you take the the high that the public is looking at you you know, because of that debate than this debate, more the public is looking at you and saying, mm. all right, good job. Mm-hmm. But when you've got what you've, with what's going on right now, uh, it's just, it's not my time, but I will be back. And I'm going to focus on Florida. I, I think that's becoming more, you know, by the yeah. moment, becoming more and more inevitable. But are you asking, should he do that between now and the first? Well, I'm, I'm saying that if you're if you're 
if you're if you're looking at him and you're saying what's in his best interest, his best interest in his own self interest, it's not to stay in and lose Florida. Right. Yeah. You don't want any loss in Florida. Yeah. And you really right. want to be off the ballot, you know, as as long as possible if you just don't see that changing. Right. Because he has I think he's got a long because of what he has done of substance in Florida, I think he's got a long window to run for president of the United oh, yeah. States. Yeah. Nikki Haley. Is it is it now? I mean, is Nikki Haley a viable is Nikki Haley a viable candidate? Uh if well, she if she dropped out mm-hmm. four years from now, eight years from now. And again, my own personal prejudices come in. The reason I like DeSantis over Haley is he's got a track record of success. Yeah. Yeah. In, recent in, track in, record. A in, recent in, track record. In the face of the radical right. left. Right. Not that yeah. she not that she doesn't. Right. But he is a recent one yeah. that's really gone after the left. Right. Yeah, you can make the argument on the trial by fire thing with him uh, because yeah. of the recent radical stuff that's come at him and he's been able to defeat time and time again. Now, going back to my other, you know, question or scenario. If Nikki Haley is asked to be on the Trump ticket, does she say yes and say, I bite my time for 2028 because I could be a two term president in 28, I would get the nomination because if that were the case and then theoretically they won and then she became a two-term president, I'm going out on a very long bridge here, so just bear with me. That would mean that it would be 2036 before DeSantis would run for president. Uh, if, if you, Unless he if, was asked if, to be if on you, her ticket. If you ask me just generically, no. Because the majority of people who tie themselves to Trump uh, uh, are no longer probably on speaking terms with him, including his former VP, including his former VP. Right. And, and, and I, that's, would, I, I and, and I don't care about what you think about him. I'm simply mm-hmm. saying, I'm, I'm, I, you're, you're asking me to be his vice president. And I see that the vast majority of people that have worked with him no longer agree with him on so many things. Well, that's going to be, there's the- no reason to tie my wagon to his. And and you just you sit it out and and you, you know, I don't know what but you I, do. You're not I, I don't think office, I don't think but. he would want her. I don't think I don't, I don't think, think I don't for. think he would either. I think that's already a done deal. And I think, again, it has to be from his perspective, probably somebody who is right now already fully on board. And there are a few names being it, thrown around. But it's not going to be Carrie Lake because she's running for. No, no, it's yeah. not going to be. I don't think it's going to be her either. 866-90-RED-EYE. This morning's USDA Farm Report is brought to you by Howes Products. Tested, trusted, guaranteed since 1920. This season's national production of oranges could end up being just under two and three quarter million tons, which would be 10% higher than last year. On the surface, that seems to be good news, and it is. However, the only thing that's saving this year when it comes to things like drop and fruit size and is that last year was so bad. 
USDA's chief economist Seth Meyer says that certainly applies to the Florida crop. And the only reason that you, you, you would come up with a number that says for in the case for Florida, for some of these orange crops, that it looks better than last year is because last year's drop was so horrendous because of the two hurricanes. This year's been fairly calm weather-wise. USDA's forecasting Florida orange production 923,000 tons, 30 percent higher than last season. Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. This report brought to you by Cenex Fuels and Loops. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, just uh, uh, reading here, California, their new deficit, $68 billion. Wow. And Wall Street Journal talking about it, the state's progressive tax code strikes again. You know, 0.1% of the population pays for a third of the budget. Mm. That's 0.1%. Pays a third. Top one percent pay over fifty percent of all the taxes. The top one tenth of one percent pay thirty percent. This is something that remember uh, when Governor Cuomo was in New York and was against the millionaires' tax. Yeah, when he first got in, people forget about this. He got in and said, "I don't want it because we we have such a progressive tax system. They tax the rich so much that if the rich move." They lose a tremendous amount of revenue. He said on that he couldn't afford to be liberal, remember? Yeah. Couldn't and, afford and, to be a Democrat. And then he backed off. Yep. And what you're finding on, this is why we'll we'll get into the, the, the more of the minutia of this, because I think it's really, really interesting. Where do these states go mm. that have taxed the rich so much when the rich say, okay, bye-bye, we're going to go? Yeah. How do you straighten out? $68 billion dollars. We haven't heard Newsom talk much about reparations. Wow, that didn't come up in the debate, did it? I don't think so. That never came up. I don't think it ever came up. Oh, Wow, just thought about that one. Missed opportunity on that one, huh? Yep. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Yes, so the story was that California budget busts uh, arrived. The state's progressive tax code strikes again. New deficit projected to be $68 billion shortfall over the next five years, $155 billion. And we know how that always goes up. We know the projections are always low. Yeah, right. And uh, but in cumulative deficits, 155 billion they expect over the next uh, four years. This is interesting. Think about this: 68 billion for this year. For comparison, Florida's entire general fund budget, 46.1 billion this year. Hmm. 
I don't think that includes oh. that for Florida. That does not include. That's our uh, entire general fund budget. That doesn't mm. include, for example, uh, things like uh, the state uh, for Medicaid and things like that. Because I read Florida's total budget, not just general revenue or general fund budget, mm. it was like a hundred billion. Okay, it's right. still a lot lower than. I mean, it's half of what, for example, uh, New York is. And uh, you know, and New York has uh, less population than than uh, than Florida, right? But uh, that's really incredible. And they said one reason uh, that uh, that they blame here is a we're actually talking about the real culprit for California's budget shortfall as ever is its progressive tax system and how the politicians exploit it. The top one mm. percent of taxpayers in California pay 50% of state income tax. The top one-tenth of 1% pay 33% of the taxes. During the fat years, the state's 13.3 top income tax rate throws off enormous revenue that the state of California proceeds to spend with new long-term commitments to keep spending it that can't be withdrawn when the lean years arrive. And that's what's happening. Mm. They go, Democrats don't prepare for droughts because they assume they can always raise taxes on the wealthy when revenues dry up. That will be harder this time because so many of the wealthy have left the state of California. And that's the problem that you're going to see, especially that everything was accelerated. You and I have talked about this extensively. Everything changed after COVID. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Everything changed after COVID, the way that people look at where they live, yep. you know, where they wish to live, uh, uh, you know, money, then, then the inflation since then. I mean, it really accelerated everything that, you know, the and this is why in the past, the Democrats have been, again, moving a, a lot slower on their on everything on their agenda. It was a, about boiling that frog slowly. Well. They seem to think, because what they do is they capitalize on fear. You know, they started with 15 days to flatten the curve. And well over two years later, still trying to flatten the curve. And their answer has always been, throw money at it. Well, what do you throw at a global pandemic? A global amount of money. Yeah. And then inflation. Well, people's minds were changing during that during that point because they really didn't consider what people were actually going through. They just thought if we just keep throwing money at it, they'll respond the way they always have. The fact of the matter is, is with inflation now, people feel like that money's being taken back and a hundred times more than anything that was doled out during that time. Well, now we're paying for it, and we're going to pay for it from here on out. And you can't reverse that. You can't undo the impact of inflation where, again, a compounding effect year after year after year where they don't see prices going down. You know, 2018, 2019 wasn't that long ago. But it seems like light years after you make a trip to the grocery store 
or pull through a drive-thru at a fast food place. Did you see they had the Home Alone comparison Mm. where um, uh, Kevin McAllister, remember he walked into the store and bought that stuff and it was 19 bucks. Mm, Right. And that goes back to the early 90s. Right, right, right. I think now the same thing would cost 79. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just amazing to think about uh, what all has transpired. But there was no way it wasn't going to happen when you go as big as they went on spending and everything else. Their overreaction, I think, to to COVID on lockdowns. We're seeing that play out. You know, um, we're seeing where now the policy on all of that, because it came up over the weekend in a conversation and somebody was saying, well, you know, they just get enough power again. They'll they'll shut everything down for the flu or whatever else. I don't think anyone's going to tolerate that anymore, even people on the left. You know, they're just we're just not going to get to the point of of uh, as a society. This was the problem with Democrats, and I think it has to land on rank and file Democrats. Because. If you wanted them to have that control, if you thought the answer was that. Remember the whole New York City. And the. Soda cup size ban yeah. and salt in restaurants. Oh, but we need them to do that because we can't think for ourselves. We need them to do that. We need them to do that. I think a lot of that is gone. Not with all of them, but I think a great amount of that is gone because we're at that point now where people realize, you know what? At the end of it all, I'm going to be left number one. I'm going to be left alone. They're not going to be around. They're not here to save me. They're not my savior. And then number two, and I'm thinking, again, not our listeners, but people who thought that way in the past. And number two, I'm going to pay for it one way or the other. How do you, you can't, you can't do again. Let's say it happened a year from now yeah. that another virus came. You can't shut, shut no. it down again no, you can't. and pay people. You can't. The, no, the, that's the, never going to happen. You can't, you can't do that again. Inflation, you know, you do that on top of everything that we've seen. Inflation would skyrocket. You know, what scares me is what concerns me. I shouldn't say scares. What concerns me is a pandemic that's a lot more serious and a lot deadlier even than COVID. You when when you were seeing things play out with COVID in the first months, we did we had no idea what we were dealing with. And anyone in the public just had to sit around and basically wait. I saw an old clip of uh Bill Burr on with Joe Rogan saying, Look, I just you know, I'm not an expert, you're not an expert. I just wait. You know, this week if they're telling me to wear a mask. I put a mask on. If next week they tell me to take the mask off, I take the mask off. That's kind of where people were back then. I'm not saying Bill Burr representative represented everybody. But people kind of did that. Now there's going to be a lack of trust. The whole cry wolf thing is going to be in play because 
it changed the entire world. It changed how we do business. It's killing commercial real estate right now, the fallout. Yeah, it's a great point. It still hasn't. It has not. It's not. It's not ended. And won't recover. We're not going to recover. There's certain things about the economy that won't recover from the overreaction. So we won't tolerate things like that because we understand. Look, we're on our own. We have to fix this, uh, deal with it however we're going to deal with it. And heaven help us if it's a deadlier well, pandemic. And, and and when you see that the vast majority of the things that government told us was not true. Right. Some, some I believe, were intentional because uh, we still haven't gotten to the bottom of the fact that if you got the shot, that, you know, you then uh, could go to work because you wouldn't pass it on, yeah, right. which we found was completely and totally false. Exactly. And there was never any evidence. Right. The pharmaceutical companies were not passing on to the government. We've done this test, and if you take the vaccine, you're not going to pass it on. Right. That never happened. Right. So that lie was created because it wasn't true. It wasn't backed by any of the evidence that existed in the trials of the vaccines to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you look at, you look at that, you look at the whole mask thing. I saw the CDC director over the weekend again, suggesting masks again. And it was like, wow, I wouldn't want to be the person promoting that again. Now, not even, I don't want to be anywhere close to the person that's, that's doing that because you're not, again, you're not going to connect at all with people and you're drawing a political line is what you're doing more and more. What we're seeing right now with the implosion of things on the left, a lot of it has is connected with the COVID era and the over response to COVID because it's tied to inflation, which is about spending during COVID it's tied to big government actions. We know better than you when we're actually doing the opposite of what we're telling you to do. And we've been caught multiple times. It goes beyond hypocrisy. They never believed the science themselves. No, they never did. If yeah. they did yeah. for one moment believe that science, would they be doing what they were doing? No. It's not about the hypocrisy. It's about the fact that they never believed it to begin with. Yeah. yeah. Newsom was caught twice. Yes. Because he didn't believe the science that he was selling you or if the lack I, of science that he was selling you. If I believed that science, I wouldn't be taking a selfie. In fact, I wouldn't be anywhere near one of the most famous HIV patients that this society has ever known, Magic Johnson. Right. Let alone taking a selfie with him. For the fact that he, I, he had I, an underlying condition. That's I an underlying condition. I would not want to be anywhere. I, I don't right. want to. No. I, I don't want to put him in danger. Right. Yet they were taking selfies. They didn't believe the science from the beginning. They nope. didn't buy into it. Nope. And that lack of trust right now. Well, it brings you to this question. If they didn't buy the science because they weren't paying attention to it, then it's a legit question 
which will form conspiracy theories, mm-hmm. then why were they selling it to the public? Exactly. Because they can control it. They believe that the public would buy the fear. It's the only answer I could come up And the with. outcome is what? Uh, the outcome is, well, they hope the outcome is we can keep this going. And we can have full control. But there's no way to do that. That's the delusional mind of a liberal Democrat. That you could keep it going forever. You darn sure can't do the spending. Lawrence Summers tried to warn him on that. Don't do it. And they did it. Here we are. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio. Toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, we had said this earlier in the in the show, but it, I think it bears repeating because it would be interesting to see what the Republicans say today and what the Democrats say today about the uh, charges against Hunter Biden. And that's because uh, there may be an impeachment inquiry vote uh, uh, this week. And what the defense is from the Democrats, which went very quiet, the media, everybody went very quiet on this. And I know there were some Republicans and even said, well, you know, this shows that they're trying to hide Joe Biden. This, you know, this, uh, you know, the the indictment uh, hides Biden from it. Really doesn't. It, it it continues to connect the dots. Yep. It doesn't. It, again, the indictment doesn't say we're going after uh, the, the president on this. But the fact is it makes it much easier for the Republicans to connect the dots yep. to Joe yep. Biden. Yep. And we'll see if the Democrats still want to go to their fallback position, which is the entire Biden family was corrupt, except Joe Biden, that it was the uh, the uh, uh, illusion of influence peddling, which meant everyone, all the, the brothers and Hunter Biden were selling fake access to the president. Yeah. The president did know it when he was vice president or in between, didn't know it. He knew completely clueless for over a decade. Right. That any of this was going on, right? Right. Because that's what they're trying to sell. Yet the entire family benefited tens of millions of dollars on it. They all used Joe Biden, and Joe Biden just loved them, and they just betrayed him completely. That's what they're attempting to sell old the Joe. public. Yes, yeah. that doesn't fly. No, that's not going to fly. But that's where they are right now. That's what they're trying to convince the public of. They have not been successful at doing it. Let's see what they do this week. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Hey guys, welcome to the Candy Valentino Show. I'm Candy Valentino. I was a founder before I could legally order a drink. And for more than two and a half decades, I've built, scaled, acquired, and exited multiple businesses in diverse industries. Now my goal is to help you by sharing the knowledge that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, and the wisdom that I've developed over my journey. Bi-weekly episodes every Monday and Thursday. The Candy Valentino Show, wherever you listen. Every story eventually comes to an end. This June, 
Hear the final episode of Season 2 of the hit podcast series, In the Red Clay, Durham. In the Red Clay tells the unbelievable true story of Billy Sunday Burt, the most dangerous man in Georgia history. In the podcast that people are calling riveting, incredibly moving, captivating, and addicting. Binge Seasons 1 and 2 of In the Red Clay now, wherever you listen.